Hello folks and welcome to another episode of The Scatterbrain, which has come turned into a bit of a daughter talk podcast. In fact, that's, I'm sure, that's what I should call it. Maybe I should start again. I can, re, I can re-record everything. It's all come from the same place, didn't it? I had all those startling pieces of wisdom all sprouting from the same brain. Or I could just go into the, just edit the name and just call it daughter talk. Daughter talk. That's a bit of a funny name, I suppose, really, when you think about it. It's kind of like, well, is it daughters talking to each other? Or is it dad, dad, daughter talk? Daughter talking daughters with dads. Talking daughters. No, that's not right either. It sounds a bit wrong now. I can't get it straight in my head. Welcome to the podcast, Scatterbrained, where I'm talking about conversations that I will inevitably, as they say, it's a good word, inevitably we'll be having with my lovely daughter, oh gosh, Eva Daisy Jacobs. Now she woke up this morning as quite early as half past four, but I managed to get my head down a bit, well it was 9.30 was the bedtime for me. That was pretty early. That's very early. So by the time the full 30 came, oh, I was all right. I was all right. My wife, my lovely wife, she had to do the, the midnight run, as they say. The midnight uh, squeeze. Because it doesn't matter what you're doing. If it's coming from the breast or it's coming from a bottle, you've got to squeeze it into her. You've got to squ- get that nipple in up. Squash it in, and you can hear it. She draws, he draws it out. Oh, and there's a little tummy goes gurgle, gurgle. She's had some troubles with her tummy lately, but we've uh, found a non-chemical. I don't know what it is exactly, but it's there's a one product that you use, which they've actually don't use. They don't recommend anymore because it's too had some chemical in it. I don't know. I forget the details. But my wife found this other one. And you only put like a mil, one mil in to her on her, on her little tongue and she swallows it down. And it must taste all right because she just sort of licks it, licks it up and she thinks it's quite nice. And what it does is it gets rid of all that uh, bubbly trouble feeling in her tummy for her. And then she goes to, <laughs> she goes to sleep. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, it's Miracle Formula. I suppose it's just a, a colic. Colic? Cure. Or well, alleviates the symptoms. So I used a little bit of the magic uh, magic drops. Gave her some, gave her the bottle. And then she went back to sleep again. Mind you, she did, she said, no, nah, Dad, no. Nah, I'm not going in the bassinet. Don't just plop me in there and wrap, wrap, put a blanket over me. No. I want cuddles. I want cuddles, she said. Give me bloody cuddles. And I said, all right. Gosh. So then she came into bed with me. And, she, and I was awake anyway. I wasn't going to go back to sleep because I'd already had them sleep. I'd already done that. Job done. So I thought, oh, I can lie here with you while you squirm around a little bit. Do some farts because you can hear it. The farts she doesn't. And then after that though, and sometimes she cries and farts at the same time because she's not. I don't think she's really sure exactly what they are. 
she gets a bit confused. So she's scared. She's scared. Her bum. I suppose eventually, that's, maybe that's where the monster under the bed comes from. First, there's the monster under their body, which is the farts coming out of their bum. Hey? And then when they get older, that maybe that memory, the memory they had of that as an infant persists and becomes the monster under the bed. Ah, hey? That's something. There's some psychology in that. I bet you no one's written any textbooks about that one. I might have a go. Maybe I could have a little, maybe I could write a kid's book. Because kids love monsters under the bed. Well, they don't love it, but they like exploring the whole reason why they feel that way. I'm trying to understand why they think there are monsters under the bed. They like that. And then they also like farts. Kids love farts. I mean, who doesn't love a fart, really, when you think about it? Because it's what it is. It's the alleviation of a symptom. It's the release of pressure. Most people, after they've farted, feel better. I think most people are fans of farts. We are all fart fans. So she had a, she had a lovely little cosy up with me this morning in the bed, and I let her, and she's snorting and snuffing and doing her farts and having a little cry every now and then if it was a big fart. And then she went to sleep. Oh, so nice. I snuggled her up in the bassinet and I gave it to wifey. I said, oh, did you get some sleep, love, did you? Did you? Because she dropped her off in my bed very quietly. Well, to a certain extent. At about one o'clock in the morning, so poor lovey. Oh, she hasn't had much sleep. But she'll get, Bubs will get some, get some tucker. She'll get some proper tucker, breast tucker. Mind you, out of the bottle this morning, I did give her breast milk. I did not use the formula. So she's had breast, 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 and now more breast. So, and I think that's the way it should be. That's what they say anyway, don't they? So it's better, better breast is better. Best, but you know what? Sometimes she'll sleep better on the formula. Oh, it's weird. It's weird. Don't understand it. I think I think formulas like the McDonald's of milk. It's just got it's thick. It's like a thick shake version of breast milk. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. She loves it all. So then I handed her over and it got me thinking, you know, hey, hey, it's got conversations I've got to be having with my little girl. I've got to have the daughter talks. Dad to daughter talk. Dad to daughter talk. There's lots of things to talk about and of course one thing she will want to do. Oh, excuse me. It's quarter to eight in the morning here, folks. We're driving through the traffic. And I've, even though, look, I had a reasonable amount of sleep last night. It's still exhausting. I'm sure you can appreciate. No one likes to get up at half past four in the morning. She's going to want to chase her dreams. Yes, that's the theme of this episode of Dad to Daughter Talk. Dad to Daughter Talk. Maybe that's what I should call it, Dad to Daughter Talk. 
As it is, the podcast is called Scatterbrain. Something for me to think about. She's going to want to chase her dreams. Now, this is my conversation to her, and I hope it helps you too. What what does that mean, first of all? Chase your dreams. Well, we all have, sometimes, not all of us, all right, I'll take it back. No, some of us don't have big picture ambitions and stuff. We're just happy to be happy, content with just having our family around us and, and doing, a, doing a job that we sort of like and, and earning a bit of money and going on holidays and stuff, you know. Like, we don't know. We don't have That's still a dream. It's still an ambition. But if you have got a bit of a big picture concept for yourself that you want to pursue, as they say, like for me, for instance, you know, I enjoy entertaining people and I'm getting up and telling jokes, which is a highly competitive field of, of endeavour, which I enjoy that part of it, to be honest, and I'll probably always be doing it forever, and I celebrate the, the little victories along the way with the ambition one stage to, to do something uh, to be well to be known for it well known for it well well I was going to say well remunerated for it <laughs> well, uh, but I don't care about that I don't think really you know I'll get a bit of money every now and then <laughs> I don't tell the joke <laughs> How much money are you going to pay me for that joke, mate? Hey, good idea. No. But anyway, some of us do have these you know, ambitions. Dreams, I guess they would refer to them as. But a lot of people would go, ah, oh, you're dreaming, mate. You're dreaming. I said, yes, I am. And I enjoy it. And those of us who are the dreamers, dreamers out there, that's just dreamers in general sense, little d dreamers. We need, I think it goes well for us to think in terms of, well, how do we most effectively uh, get onto the, that road that turns dream into reality? What do we need to do to make that feasible? Oh, we're doing a feasibility talk on dreaming those two things don't go together very well do they or maybe they do (laughs) I said that in a way to suggest that it has some merit but I hmm depends on the dream first okay first of all be aware of your context what is it that you wish to pursue and what is that goal what does that look like ultimately You've got to have some notion of what it will eventually be. And that notion might just simply be a picture that you have of your of success that's like a thing you might cut out from a news from a magazine. And they are like some iconic image as they say. And we do, we do very much centre on the iconoclasts of our world because we 
have created them. That's right. We are all responsible for creating the icons that we then in turn try to aspire to be. We are constantly creating the unattainable in the pursuit of attaining it. I suppose it's really in psychological terms, not that I need to get into it too much, but it's constant, we are constantly putting fresh carrots at the end of the stick in, in front of the donkey. That, and we're the donkey in that analogy. You understand what I'm saying? Why would a donkey put its own carrot on the end of the stick? But we do it all the time. And I've got a lovely word for it. A statusments. We create these statusments. Statement, status, put it together. Statement, statusment. Yeah, it's pretty clever, isn't it? Pretty clever. Statusments, unattainable, idealized versions of what it is we want to be or what we think society should be. And we know, we see this in operation all the time because, with especially with celebrity, famous people, we think, oh, no. The royals got together, and Princess Di and Charles. And... Oh, they were a, what a perfect match. Look, they're both, they just seem to work well together. She's so innocent and petite appearing. He's so, I don't know what you'd say about him, but anyway. Like, you know what I mean? And then, of course, it all goes weird, and we wonder why these people can't, and they've got all the money in the world and they've got all the freedom in the world and but then it, it all falls on its head it's like well how does that happen we had an idealized expectation of what these people should do with all their privilege and and opportunity and of course at the end of the day we are all victims of the same conditions that affect us purely because we're human and there's a lot that can be said about this but I'm a human being I'm human well it's not as simple as that it's not as simple as saying look I'm, I'm fallible there are reasons why we fall down but I won't get into that right now the thing I'm talking about right now is chasing your dreams First things first, you are going to start with some sort of idealised thing, version of what it is you want to achieve and become ultimately. And that's good because you have to start somewhere. Now, through the process of exploring your abilities within the domain of that thing, you will probably adjust what it is that you ultimately want to be. And that is a really important process and probably takes about 10 years. Whoa, Adam, slow down. What are you talking about, mate? Look, it doesn't mean you're not going to achieve a level of success within that time, but ultimately, the apprenticeship for any true, for any creative endeavour, and I'm not just talking about painting or dancing or telling jokes. I'm talking about anything where you have to engineer something that is a unique consequence of who it is you are because of you that is a creative endeavour 
So maths can be creative endeavour. In fact, to be completely honest, that's kind of what maths is. So that's the first thing. Be sure... Be sure that you know what it is that you are ultimately aiming for and accept that during the in the process in the process you will be changing it slightly. And that's really important. You have to change your goals, your objectives. Otherwise, you're going to try and fit yourself into something that is unfittable. Unfittable? You're going to try to attain something that is unattainable and it's purposefully unattainable because that's what we do as humans in terms of setting ourselves goals to keep our species alive and growing and developing and becoming more and more multi-dimensional, which is really what we're about. That's that's all we do. We just build connections that, and we can, and we are able to re-access those connections. A lot of animals in the animal world, and you'll notice this. You will. They build connections, and some of those things become fixed in place. They lose animals. A lot of them lose their plasticity in terms of their learning. But a lot of animals too will go through a process of responding to the environment in purely an automated automated manner. They don't necessarily learn all the processes through which they go depending on the nature of their environment and the degree to which they're forced to repeat it. Hmm. All right. And that all comes down to their ability to survive. In the first instance, a harsh and hostile world. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, I could unpack that as well, but I'm almost at the point of being confused by it. So I'll just move on. But we humans, we don't. We build connections and that exists as a reference that we can always go back and, and change and extend and alter and build more connections from. Meanwhile, we can be 100 kilometres down the road having built multiple many more connections since so every little interaction and intersection that we have as we go through life whether it's just I'm talking about just the way we our brains build as a consequence of experience respond to the world around us but also with the interactions that we have with the people that we meet and the and the machines that we use and the, the stresses that we experience all those things become reference points that we can go back to at any point in time and learn something from. There's not too many other animals that have that relationship with memory, I suppose. Hmm. It's pretty deep. Deep and feelings. Deep and feelings full. So... We have to understand that these icons that we set up for ourselves, that we then ultimately try to match, are simply just reference points. 
that if we don't deviate away from to some extent, then we are simply trying to become something that we are not. And it's so much more effective to be something that you are. In fact, that's the only thing you can do. I mean, people go to plastic surgeons and they get themselves to look like Barbie or cosplay. Cosplay? Is that what it is? One of these anime characters or something. Colour color their skin blue. Blue. I don't think that's a good idea. Because then how can you tell if someone's embarrassed or if your skin's blue? Anyway, it happens. You look a bit pale. Look a bit pastel. You'd have to say, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not a primary blue today, sweetheart. You look a bit pastely. You might want to get a, go to the doctor. See if you can mix up a bit of indigo. Anyway. My point is that it's better, much more effective and more of a likelihood that you'll succeed if you try to approximate in the person you approximate the icons with a focus on developing your own sense of self within that objective within that ambition it's very hard to speak about all this and not refer to any particular creative field but it literally applies to anything anything find yourself within it is the based on your idealized expectations all right okay and that could take a long time like i was saying before sometimes you can get a sense of it really early on and that's probably get you into this into the spotlight quickly but then and you see it all the time you then risk becoming seen for only doing that thing because you don't have a multi-dimensional way of expressing yourself within it. And that's, people talk about being typecast. Well, that typecasting is not just something that happens in the movies or even in the entertainment world in any way. It's typecasting happens in every industry. That's when people get bored and they get they get a disconnected from their ambition. So, that's the next thing. Once you have found the niche part of it, the thing that is good for you and the way that you are, and you end up working that's in a way that's consistent with your own persona or unique talents then you need to add some richness to it. And this is the tricky thing because people, what I'm talking about now is I'm talking about the first impression thing. People will be very quick to stick you in a little, stick your pigeon in a hole. They want to stick your pigeon in a hole. And say, right, you are that. Thing. In the first instance, it's kind of like, yes, I am that thing. But it's unsustainable to think that way. You have to be able to present 
the two-dimensional version of yourself because like all things in the in nature it all goes around in a circle the two-dimensional thing the two-dimensional iconic image that brought you that brought you that that initial enthusiasm that got you involved and interested in this pursuit whatever it might be the icon that exists as the as the as the god that you would follow that then forced you to think well okay what what's the what's the me dimension of this and gave you more of a richer understanding of your abilities within that pursuit well in the process of doing all that you are then perceived by others as being an icon of sorts slightly altered from the the perfect example that uh, you idealized in the first instance so they will be very keen to see you as being without dimension or possibly even without fault or flaw and then you risk becoming stereotyped and also you risk you risk failing falling short of other people's expectations that strangely enough you had no part in really developing and your sense of failure is projected onto you is you're forced to accept it failure in a domain that you had not set as a indicator for yourself all right and that's all very confusing but the the point i'm trying to make is this <laughs> and that's not a cough just got to have a little cough every now and then you accept that people are going to see you as being very capable within a narrow band of ability and that will end up becoming the the foundation upon which you build a very broad set of skills and that's really important that's really important And we all should all go through this process of reinventing ourselves every now and then. I think we should. It's very healthy. It's very healthy indeed. So when little Eva comes to me and she says, Adam, well, she's not going to say that issue. She's going to say, Dad. I say, Dad, I've got a dream. I want to pursue my dream, Dad. And I say, well, what is it, love? What do you want to do? I want to do this. I want to be a touring. I want to be a supercar driver. A touring car, Australian, Australian touring car driver. And I'll say, oh, right, like, like such and such, and what's his name? And I go, she'll go, yeah, like him or her. And I go, bloody, good on you, love. Well, we start here and we go through there and then we get to there and we go, and that's how it looks. That's what we have to do. And then she'll go, oh, okay. Now, so I said, love, now you may be known for being a competent female driver. They might be interested in you because you might be the one of the only girls doing it. She'll go, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't want that. I didn't want that. But it will exist possibly for her as a distraction as she goes through her, her process 
of perfecting that creative endeavor. And maybe that's one way of demonstrating what I'm trying to say, is that you don't let other people's expectations of you be a narrowing influence. Hmm. They're not always easy to put into an example. But uh, when it happens, you'll know what I mean. What else within the pursuit of your dreams? Well, you can't attach success to the what you're, what you're told it, it will be. Uh, or what other people do. Now, other people might achieve success or experience something or feel something or um, feel something or be offered opportunities that you perceive as being the hallmarks of success, the, the uh, stepping stones to success. Now, that's relative to their characteristics and their unique qualities. And some people are going to follow the pathway of mainstream success. Now, one thing that we said about that is that it's highly competitive, mainstream success. It's a highly very competitive world. And also, it does require you to be even more one-dimensional than you risk being anyway. So, don't expect to this, for the, the markers of success to be what you expect them to be. And I suggest to you that success first starts as a feeling that you share with yourself. And it's not attached to any big thing that you've done that may or may not draw the attention of the rest of the world. It could literally be some little thing that has happened in your lunchbox. Quietly amongst your own self. So, keep that in mind. Don't think that the success looks the same for everyone and that it necessarily has to be a consequence of what other people think of you. If you want to be effective creatively, you have to come to a decision with yourself about what is satisfying. If in the pursuit of your endeavours, creative ambitions, you find medium and you find means and you find your voice, so to speak, then you've probably achieved something that will be greater than any other superficial acknowledgement you may receive. 
being able to synthesize what is at the essence of you so that you present an essential ingredients version of yourself first in any situation will be the most empowering thing that you'll ever experience. And will also be one of the hardest things that you'll achieve because you have to go through the cycle. You have to bring yourself through the circle back to a point in time where you were pure in form and purpose. When I say form, I mean the form of your thoughts. Really. You have to go back to a moment in time when you were innocent. And use that as the filter through which you process all the complexities of the world. Only then, only then, <coughs> will you find a way through and you'll end up exploring, end up exposing who it is you are relative uh, to the pursuit that you have attached yourself to. Mm. Don't be fooled by others and their apparent success <clears throat> when they've been fired from their job because they're putting their hands in their till <laughs> or whatever it might be. Their whole image of success will be exposed for what it is. Something that's They've talked up more than they've actually lived. They've talked more than they've walked. Which is often the case. And sometimes not the case. But just remember, just hold on to that idea that we are all predisposed to see people in a two-dimensional manner first. We, are, we like to put the pigeon in the hole. The sooner you accept that, the sooner you will find what your pigeon is supposed to look like and what your hole is supposed to look like. And then you won't have a problem with people putting your pigeon in a hole. And not only that, you will be able to manipulate that perception people have relative to a deeper understanding that you uh, appreciate of yourself. All right. And I'd say all this sort of sounds like it's a bit, I don't know, a bit complicated, maybe. But it's me trying to describe a feeling for you that goes beyond just that that is an attempt to describe what my feeling of engagement is like because that's what I want that's what I'm motivated by being engaged in the world yeah first and foremost before anything else hmm. and there's no other medium 
or form where I can talk about all this nonsense. Because if I'm on the stage telling jokes, I don't say any of this, do I? No, I'm talking about snails eating mail in my letterbox. And Jesus toast. <laughs> Jesus toast, mate. Oh, gosh. That's true. All right. I think there's three things there, three principles that I've spoken about. Know what the goal, the end goal is. Pursue it with the understanding that it's going to change relative to your own unique characteristics. Don't let, uh, don't let other people's, don't be led by people thinking you're Don't be pigeonholed. Don't give, let people put your pigeon in the hole. And something else. Something else. I can't. I can't think now. I'll leave it there. Well, this is that part of the series of dad to daughter talk that I'm doing at the moment, and hopefully this podcast will exist in the world. Once uh, my little my little one is old enough to understand what the hell is I'm going on about, and then she can listen to it. All right, next time, Adam Jacobs, Mum's Adam Jacobs. See you again. Bye.